Welcome back to Square Horror. I am your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the master of ceremonies, Matt. Un- off the leash today, Danny. We're going to off under the leash. Yeah, from the doghouse to under the porch because we are suffering <laughs> with rabies. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's a sad story, man. Rabies is a hell of a disease. It, yeah, it really is. And, and this is back when there was a lot more issues. Acting. Yeah, but it's yeah, apparently. Quick. <laughs> yeah, that I did not think it would take just a couple, like not even a full couple days. Uh, yeah, I think it I was mean, a fast acting rabies. Yeah, I think because I was looking it up with uh, with Bell when I was watching, it, and conservatively, it's like six days from like normal animal to like that, and I, that's about right, I would say for for this movie too. But I'm like, damn, six mm-hmm. days. Yeah, <laughs> that's oh, that's a problem. That's bad. Oh and no, I mean they don't address it in the movie, but like, if you get bit, rabies kills humans too. Like longer, oh and yeah, worse. But like, man, you gotta go to the doctor after this, man. You get bit, you gotta go. Mm-hmm. That'll fuck your whole. Yeah, that'll make up. for some big issues. Yeah, that'll fuck your bullshit. Yeah, so rabies, getting bit by things, nature nightmares, all of these things are related, yes. We're mm-hmm. not just talking out of our ass about rabies. <laughs> We're talking about Stephen King book inspir- inspired 1983's Cujo. Cujo. Which is about a big, jowly, good boy, a big, jowly St. Bernard um, goes on a murder spree. He becomes a not so good boy by the no, end. No, I, I would. He's hardly even a dog by the end of it. He kind of just looks like a demon. That's that's true. Give him a bath. Yeah, <laughs> somebody help him. He's just stuck with like drool and pus all <laughs> over his face. Some Cujo. Somebody help him. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, for the listeners that maybe don't know Cujo and maybe know other St. Bernards in uh, in media, like uh, with Beef Oven and uh, The Sandlot, like imagine if uh, James Earl Jones, you know, after he retires from being Darth Vader, which he just did, and he goes to live uh. behind a baseball field, goes blind, and has a big monster dog, if James Earl Jones then died, that monster dog in, a, again, six days probably – would go from the nice dog at the end of the sandlot to a nightmare version of that dog. Cujo. Cujo is like the gold standard with which you measure, like, evil dogs. Cujo is if Air Bud got diseased and <laughs> sat Bud? in a car shop. <laughs> Air Bud, I mean, I would say Beethoven, because Air Bud was a nice, well-groomed uh, fucking golden retriever. And golden retrievers, I suppose. I I feel like golden retrievers are kind of like the Native Americans in Blood Quantum, where they're just immune to becoming evil. Like if Cujo just because of how them, jolly they are, yeah, they're just so nice and good, and they can't go evil. They're like the only <laughs> pure thing on the planet. Hmm. I c- I can get behind that for a golden retriever. They are pretty good pups. That's true. Okay, so the other half of the statement, aside from the dog, was Stephen King. If you had your listening ears perked up all lassie-like dog puns today. Stephen King. We're going to be full, chock full of them. Oh, I, if I can think of them. All of the bone puns, unfortunately, are being wasted on Dahmer right now, but I just finished that, so now I can think about Cujo again. Good, good. So Stephen King <laughs> wrote a book 
surprisingly. And he wrote a bunch of them during this time. Uh, this was in the middle of his alcoholism period, Danny. I don't know where that measures mm-hmm. up timeline-wise, uh, but apparently this one's in there because Stephen King goes on record for saying that he admits to not remembering writing the book uh, because he was mm-hmm. such an alcoholic at the time. Um, and we know that Stephen King has uh, a, a, a penchant, I will say, for writing characters like himself. So in his later books, at the very least, after he kicks this alcoholism bit, that's when he gets into his, like, Dr. Sleep, The Shining, Alcohol's Bad motifs. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's all those author self-insert characters. Yeah, but I think that he was still addressing some motifs here. And I, we haven't talked about this yet, Danny. I kind of just screamed at it over you in text in, in a single <laughs> sentence in all caps. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see if you're going to be giving me pushback or not. I'm not going to die on this hill. It's just a thing I noticed. Uh, this motif, Danny, is I'm, I'm very excited to hear about this. It's about bad marriages and, uh, and spousal infidelity. Uh, and just mm-hmm. like the book Jaws... The Cujo dog is a metaphor for shit going bad, <laughs> in a way of speaking. I oh, mean, we'll get... I, I guess. <laughs> well, <laughs> that'll be to come, though. It's so stay tuned. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the book was written by Stephen King, and this was during a time that a lot of Stephen King books were being churned into movies, like, pretty quickly. Like this book, well, yeah, because the book came out, came out in eighty one. Yes, yeah, 81. it was in eighty one, and then the movie came out in August of eighty three. Damn, so it was what about a, a two year turnaround. turnaround. Which makes also, so much I sense. just like it, it. It really does. I would like to point out that um, I think this book was one of the last ones he wrote when he was in like his full alcohol swings. Yeah, because he finished this and then he went on to write it for the next five years. Uh huh. Well, um, and you know that's interesting because I I just watched the the mini series of it last night, and uh, mm-hmm. I forget that Bill in the I think in the movie I, in I don't know about the book but at least in the in the mini series, Bill is a writer who's writing books that are being incessantly made into movies, and I was like, mm-hmm. gee, this is very Stephen King because I just watched Cujo and Cujo was one of these. Yep. Oh yeah, Bill is absolutely his self insert as an adult in it. Um, not now. And it, it is talking about these movies. <laughs> it's talking about True. all of these types of movies. But like, where does this one stack up for you in terms of the ones we've either covered or that you've seen or both? Okay, so <laughs> oh. there's a lot of Stephen King movies out there, and yeah. I feel like that's just like par for the course. I need to, a blanket statement: is they are of a varying degree of um, quality. Uh, so, like, some of the ones I've really enjoyed. Like, I love the It movies. I love the miniseries, even though it ends badly because the book ends badly. Uh, Children of the Corn is so fun. Carrie, great movies. Pet Cemetery, we'll talk about in a couple weeks, and I have both Stay good and bad things Pet to Cemetery. say about it. Yes. <laughs> Two weeks from now, we'll be covering the OG Pet Cemetery. Um... <laughs> uh, but I feel like this one for me, while I really enjoyed it, it isn't in like my high brow of Stephen King movies adaptations. No, it's not. And part Gerald's of that name. is because it's so different from what I expected it to be, because I didn't really know much about the story going into it. 
and I thought it was going to be worse than it was. Well, what did you uh, expect it to be then? Like, like so I kind say, of what, like what does that mean? So like I like I was telling you a little bit before we started rolling. Um, I thought this was going to be much more like a rabid dog is a slasher villain in a slasher movie. And it's really not because it's much more of a like a predator just trying to do its life while something else gets in its way and suddenly has to fight for its life, which feels very fitting for the movies we've covered thus far in this series. Yeah, we're it's very mostly about animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all about the animals are just trying to live their life. It's so funny because I feel like all of our movies are going to be very. Pro- all of these ones are very pro animal. <laughs> like none of them are like the Meg, where it's like some cartoonishly evil villain. It's just an animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think I would put this above like Children of the Corn for me though, because I did again. I did really enjoy this movie. Um, and it's certainly not the worst of his, uh, or Stephen King's film adaptations, especially not when things like Maximum Overdrive exist. Uh, I've never even seen it, but, like, Kevin loves it and swears by it. Bro, it's chaos, and it was directed by Stephen King. Wasn't he so doing you know it was wild. Oh, absolutely he was. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The Green Goblin truck did not come to him when he was sober. There is no way. Man. Yeah, I think one of these days uh, we'll take some time away and we'll really just cover like a swath of Stephen King uh, adaptations mm-hmm. and we might just cover the man himself. Um, there's yeah. a really good podcast out there called The Losers Club that's like the best Stephen King podcast. And like King regularly tweets at them about how great they are, like on Twitter all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So I would have to like do a lot of homework and maybe reach out to them. Uh, Cause I don't yeah. know much about him. I just know the memes about him and uh, just judging by the work that he was clearly an alcoholic for a while. Uh huh. So, um, the movie, like, itself, I don't, Mm -hmm. I think it's good for what we're covering in that it's, like you said, animals being animals, but the animals more or less as, like, a a part of the story uh, and a Mm -hmm. big feature of the story. So, Jaws being the biggest example where a shark doing its thing uh, disrupts and sets off a story that we're following. So the shark mm-hmm. is the villain because the shark started the whole thing. Then you have Crawl, yeah. where its alligators are more or less a feature of the storm. The storm is the big problem, and getting out of the storm is the big thing. The alligators are just in the way. They're like the micro mm-hmm. goal of the big macro goal of staying alive. In yeah. this case... It's almost like there's a whole separate movie happening that is also interesting, and I'm interested to know. And then this happens. And it kind of mm-hmm. makes it like a slice of life tale interrupted by like horrible random violence. Yeah. So, well, yeah, because like yeah, there's yeah. multiple antagonists in this movie, including, again, the weather and <laughs> a random animal. The because weather? those are always going to be that. Oh, well, like, the heat in the car ah, is absolutely yes. a massive villain in that yes, they have yes, to... Yes. It's a it's a catalyst for making them have to take action, essentially. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, it's almost that this dog isn't, like, the main antagonist until he suddenly shows up again. Like, there's enough else going on that you might even forget about the dog sometimes. Especially early on, um, when they're still establishing all of the marital strife. Also, I'm sorry, I'm gonna get into this because this bugged me while I was watching the movie. What kind of stupid-ass name is Tad? Alright, I didn't think we were going to do this, but I guess we'll have to talk about it. Um, I don't personally think anything is wrong with Tad. Um, I thought it was a good name for a small boy. Uh, I guess I just didn't think that, yeah, someone will have to grow up and be an adult and be Tad. But I assume it's for, like, Thaddeus or something that's... I don't know, Danny. What do you want from him? See, here's, here was my biggest problem. <laughs> Through, like, 90% of the movie, I was hearing his name was Ted. And that makes sense to me. Because I've heard the name Ted before. That's a person's name. I have never heard anybody called Tad. Um, Lincoln's youngest son's name was Tad. For the record. Um... <laughs> Well, fuck. Stephen King's a nerd. I assumed he was like, okay, (laughs) the smallest sickly son of an otherwise bereft family man? Sure. Tad. I don't know. Stephen King's a strange genius. Okay. I don't know. I know. But yes, the boy's name is Tad. Um, And speaking of names, what the hell's Cujo all about? So, like, I think when I think of it, it's a very immediately scary name because I just associate it with a nightmare dog. Mm-hmm. But it has the like air of like a like you know in the old Dis- like not Disney cartoons the old like Looney Tunes cartoons that have like a big dopey brute bad guy. Mm-hmm. That's like a Cujo, um, and apparently, and I don't know much about the case, so I guess I just this was another thing that's just lost to me. Um, mm-hmm. the, the very infamous kidnapping of Patty Hearst, uh, the daughter of uh, William Randolph Hearst, the newspaper mogul, um, I think back uh-huh. in the 70s, I believe, or the late 60s, uh, she was kidnapped by the uh, Syrian Liberation Army, like an, an anarchist organization, I believe, um, criminals, mm-hmm. and they forced her, it, at least the media thought, forced her to rob banks with them so they could fund their outfit. Apparently, Patty Hearst, like, got a big case of Stockholm Syndrome and joined them, uh, and that was, like, this very famous case of, like, youth gone wild or whatever. Um, but apparently, mm-hmm. one of the main, like, guys in that army's nickname was Cujo. So that's where Stephen ah. got the name. And it would kind of be like if, in, like, you know, in, like, Cinderella, the Disney movie, they named the cat Lucifer. And, like, Lucifer's uh-huh. the straight-up devil, but, like, it's kind of goofy when it's a fat cat. Like, yes. it's like if you had, like, a pet turtle like OJ. Or the juice. Because it's got to be Ooh, a nickname. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah, we call it the juice. Because then you know it's about OJ Simpson. <laughs> that's a good one. Oh, my God. Danny, the first thing we write, someone's got to have a turtle named the juice. <laughs> Matt, I don't know what you're talking about. I think at this point, we just need to get a turtle and name it the juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be like our real-life self-insert. We'll just put our turtle in all of our shit. I like it. I like it. I can get behind this. Uh, 
So speaking of animals, uh, <laughs> during the making of this movie, um, they used, I think, five different dog actors. They actually used six, um, six. five of which were uh, St. Bernard's, and then they had a Rottweiler on standby for when the St. Bernard's couldn't look angry enough. Because oh, that's the thing. St. Bernard's are, like, by their nature, <laughs> like, big, huge, like... Bear in the big blue house animals. They just want to mm-hmm. hug things because they're that's their function. And they were having so much fun when they were shooting the movie that they, they had to tape down their tails because they were wagging so much. Because they were just having so much fun. They were having so fun. And like they they had to um later on when Cujo has to do these like very huge animalistic, like lion like attacks on the family in the car. Uh, they mm-hmm. had to put the dog's favorite toys in the car so that they'd be more motivated to, like, go ahead. Yeah. Um. So, like, <laughs> like all of our movies we've talked about, like, the animals are not actually that bad. Like, they could barely even get a St. Bernard to pretend it was mean for this fake movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, like, there was also a couple, I think there was, like, a scene or two where they had a stunt guy in a dog costume playing Cujo, (laughs) which I also just think is the funniest fucking thing. Because can you imagine being that guy on set, being like, hey, I'm here to do the stunts for the dog. It had to have been, like, during the fight. Like, during when she's beating it with a bat or when it's, like, jumping through windows or something. Something that the dog maybe was, like, not as excited to do. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, when it's jumping up on that guy, when it's trying to, like, bite his throat, it totally looks like it's excited to see him. Oh, yeah. Like, if you well, can imagine and... its tail wagging, like... <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, there was one incident on set um, where someone was actually injured by the dogs, um, which was an accident. I'm going to preface with all that. Sure. Um, but they were doing one of their scenes where the dog is attacking the car... And the stunt double was in the car working with it. And they were using the toy for the, like, bait for the dog, trying to get him to jump at the car. And the window was down just a little bit too much so that the dog could actually get his snout into the car. And he accidentally bit her nose while trying to get the toy. So he was just, he, and, like, I'm sure the dog felt bad because the dog knows dogs yeah. know they're smart and he wasn't doing it on purpose it wasn't a malicious thing or anything um but tabloids at the time were trying to say that there was that the dog was rabid and bit someone on set Cujo and they were like no it was an accident dog. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh man i i always love uh the real dog actors um i love when movies use them because it's just so cool seeing real animals get like trained to do all of this cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, I always point to John Wick three. The best, one of the best fights I've ever seen, has two choreographed attack dogs as like weapons in the fight, and it's such an insane feat of like animal handling and animal training. And this was 1983, and they used a bunch of dogs, which was cool because you can't tell. You can't. I mean, when you watch, they all look like they're the exact same size. The makeup is always the same. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the dog is look. It looks dangerous, man. Like it's it does the job. Yeah, I appreciate. Uh, I, it. 
I do have one last kind of sad fact to share about the dogs in this movie. Oh, no. Um, the St. Bernard that was featured the most in the movie actually died during production. No! Um, it died of bloat, which is essentially when the dog's stomach fills with too much, like, gas or food and, like, twists. Ooh. So And, like, there's no way to really stop it or anything. It's not really avoidable, um, as far as I know. It, so, again, it was another accident that happened. But it was a sad day when that happened. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I don't know. I like to think that he was posthumously honored. I, I oh, yeah. Know. Well, I mean, he's still in the movie. Oh, wait, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I see him. Because he's na- he is Cujo now. Yeah, that is right. his legacy. Because, like, Beethoven, like, the dog from Beethoven that they use, the dog actor's name was Cujo. Like, that's how... Like deep this goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this Stephen is this King, was truly another cultural icon. Yeah, Stephen King really just goes through the decades, tripping into like irrevocably changing pop culture, just left and right. Yeah. <laughs> like, look at the man go. <laughs> Maybe that's why he gets to reference his own books in his other books, like as cultural yeah. references when like. Some character will be like, all work and no play makes someone a dull boy. Like, you can't do that. You wrote that book. (laughs) That's cheating. Yeah, man, that's nuts. I don't know. (laughs) Stephen King's kind of (laughs) legendary. Um, All right, Dan. Let's get into this movie with uh, right out of the gate what the – not B plot because it's kind of the A plot of the movie that doesn't have to do with the dog, uh, the family Mm -hmm. that we're going to be following – um, yeah. His last name I can't remember. Um, it, the Trentons. The Trentons. 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 Thank you. Um, we see that, first of all, Cujo is romping and playing out in the field, having the best dog time of his dog life. Uh, oh, chasing yeah. a rabbit into a hole. Mm-hmm. He's barking at it because he's excited. Uh, and then it scares a bat, and the bat bites him on his big dog nose. And, and instead of turning into a vampire, he yeah. gets rabies. Yeah, he could have become uh, the bat dog from DC Super Pets, but he just got rabies. <laughs> um, and he kind of just goes to limp around home for a couple of days before he explodes. Now, on the opposite side of the movie, <laughs> we've got the Trentons. Um, yes. And it, it's, it's Ma Trenton and Pa Trenton and little Tad <laughs> Trenton. The alliteration, Danny, I think could also set him up to be a superhero someday, so maybe give his name a break. <laughs> Tad Trenton. It would still work with Ted. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, yes, you're right. <laughs> Ted. Tad. Okay, Ted will be bizarro Tad Trenton. Anyway, so TT is having a pee-pee in his dream because he's scared of the monster in his closet. Mm-hmm. Now... When big, ba- when big Bad Steven Trenton comes in and checks it out, right? There's nothing in the closet. Yes. But what's hiding in the closet, Danny? Secrets. Marital secrets. Because Danny Cujo is not just a movie about a dog that gets rabies <laughs> and attacks some people. It is also, because it's a Stephen King book, also just a very sad human story 
about a marriage failing. And it's sad that there's just also this dog that has to be miserable too. But the mm-hmm. dog is a metaphor, just like the shark and Jaws. Not for Michael Myers, but for this family's failing marriage. So the next morning at breakfast... Why did I say it like that? <laughs> um, the next morning at I breakfast... I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so there's another member of the family system here. Um, and uh, he serves a couple of functions. Screwing in screws, fixing things, setting doors up, doing manly physical labor while dad's not home. And what's his mm-hmm. name, Danny? Oh, what is his name? Was that Steve? I thought Dad was Steve. No, Dad's Vic. Oh, fuck! Okay, yes, Steve. (laughs) But, I mean, for the sake of this metaphor, (coughs) it's Cujo, also. Okay. So, during this scene, we learn pretty quickly that uh, Steve is a pretty close member of the family. Him and Vic are friends. Uh, Mm -hmm. He gets along really great with Tad. Um, But... Mom's not doing so hot. Uh, mm-hmm. As soon as he rings the doorbell, she tenses up. She gets this, like, ugh. Like, she she just clearly does not want Steve around. Um, and the tension during mm-hmm. that whole breakfast scene is a really, really cool way to set up a whole story like this. Because we learn very quickly that Steve and her are sleeping together. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, and it's her ex-boyfriend. Yes, so it's all sorts of like bad energy Messy. in the house. Yes. Messy. It's a lot of that's a lot of baggage is uh what's going <laughs> God on here. Damn it. <laughs> and I just love so like Vic dad is a uh, he's an ad exec. Um so he designs mm-hmm. like um the the commercials that go up for this for a bunch of different people and he's got this big client that it's a cereal company. And he makes mm-hmm. this character of, like, this professor that, like, eats the cereal and goes, nope, nothing wrong here. And I just love the way it hits at the end of the breakfast scene. And I'm like, yikes. <laughs> Irony. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, like, double ironic because then the cereal gets recalled. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's literally. Yeah, because it's, like, kind <laughs> nope. of poisoning people. It literally just turned a couple kids shit red. That's not so bad. It's weird, and they should warn about it, but it's not the end yeah. of the world. And I think it's kind of cute, because no one's actually getting hurt. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, nope, nothing wrong here. And then there's, like, a news cut, and they're like, actually, there's a lot wrong. And they go into this news story, and I'm like, damn, how ironic. <laughs> um, but in keeping with my metaphor here, Steve and Cujo are both seemingly big, fluffy, harmless boys who love you just love to pet them, or in this case, uh, have sex with them in uh, your own marriage bed. Uh, but as oh soon as you kind of don't pay attention to them, <laughs> or you kind of leave them alone and assume everything is okay, because like Cujo is the real the dog has rabies at this point and the whole mm-hmm. time he's kind of slowly but surely getting more and more pissed off by like loud noises people putting him things that normally he likes um mm-hmm. but everyone just kind of assumes that Cujo is fine because he's a good dog and he loves being pet and he loves noise and he's great and he would never hurt mm-hmm. anybody 
that's like the big thing is that Cujo doesn't. He would never do Cujo. that. Yeah, he would never do that. Um, but as soon as you kind of just start to get safe with him, mm-hmm. or try to take him to the vet, they turn on you and your whole family. Yeah. And I mean this in a well, especially serious when there's sense. some loud noises. Well, yeah, or uh, you say you're not going to sleep with them anymore. And then mm-hmm. they get dangerous and violent. Very dangerous. Like, out of left field. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's why I'm like, damn, yeah. this is kind of, like, ironic. <coughs> but, I mean, this is another one of our classic square horror cases of uh, you should just talk to your loved ones. Um, just talk to each other. Because she even remarks, like, she doesn't even know why she's cheating on him. She's got a great life, a great husband, a great son, but she's still hooking up with him. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure there's some dark, horrible reason in the book somewhere that she can't let go of him for some very human and understandable grim reason. But in the movie, mm-hmm. we kind of don't get one. And yeah. it kind of makes me not like her. And that's hard, because Dee Wallace plays her, the mom from E.T., like, mm-hmm. And she's making me kind of not want her well, to be in the family anymore. And Dee Wallace is, um, in this movie in particular, is something that Stephen King has said is his favorite female performance in any adaptation of his, of his books. Which really? includes Kathy Bates from Misery, Ooh. which, I'm sorry, it's wrong. Kathy Bates is better. <laughs> I, like, I love Dee Wallace. Kathy Bates in Misery is one of the best performances I've seen in my life. I mean, it, it's really that good. That movie is insane. I, that's actually one of the things I wanted to talk about with this movie is the fact that once the shit hits the fan, Dee Wallace, like, comes out of nowhere and starts to, like, trauma act this crisis very well. Oh, yeah. Acts the shit out of this movie. Yeah. And, and, you know, in a way that must have been harrowing when Stephen King was writing it. So I feel like him seeing that at the level that he imagined it was impressive mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at, and yeah, so D Wallace is doing great, despite the fact that her character is making some questionable choices about her affair, though she does try to break it off before her husband knows about it. Not that that's okay. Yeah. Don't get me I, wrong. <laughs> she also, I feel like could have stood to be a little bit more uh, direct about it, I don't know. I feel like she. I don't lets like him the scene where they. I was like, I don't like the scene where he sees the two of them together, and all he asks is, "Yes or no?" Like, th- no, talk to each other about it. Like, yeah, I know man. you're in a, in shock, but like, maybe use more than three words. Maybe. I, yeah, I I feel like it would be. It may have been something where like originally there were still fears about him seeing him and then they kind of assured him it was okay because nothing Mm -hmm. was happening. And he's always just had like, it's always just been in the little corner in the back of his mind. And it's all the validation that he needed, which you're right though. I mean, the communication works both ways. She should talk to her husband. She should be more direct. However, he also should be wondering why she needs to have this man in their house and around their family and their son. Like, I know that she trusts yeah. him, and he might trust him also, but, like, 
there comes a point, man. That you gotta you gotta ask yourself those questions. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I think hammers that like vibe the the ew infidelity vibe of this movie because it's very like early '80s in the sense that like the score and the way it's shot kind of reflect those like very special episode type things. Like this yes, may, this may be going on on a bit of a limb, but like, do people or you, Danny, remember, like, sometimes you'd have to like watch videos in like class or whatever about like, hey man, sometimes like adults touch kids and like you should know to like talk to adults or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, this, there was uh, one of Tom Hanks's early career moves was he was in a TV show that he did one of those episodes where it was about how families can have alcoholics. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of um, Martin Sheen's, like, big things, too, was, like, a TV movie that was, like, alcoholism can destroy families. And he was just there with the mom from uh, A Christmas Story. You're kidding. Yeah, man. It's really good. It was, like, it's called Shattered or something. It's He was really good in it. Okay. I watched it in the same class that that uh, this like warning kids that sometimes like adults can shatter their trust forever sort of thing. But mm-hmm. the point of me bringing that up is that in all of these things, there's always like the same sort of musical score mm-hmm. of like ooh drama, and it's the it's ending always... of a Full House episode. Exactly, exactly. Like the, it's the vibe <laughs> of the whole movie, though. So, like, anytime there's all these, like, ooh, cheating, infidelity, like, all that, it's very, like, a little cheesy, but, like, it kind of, I don't know, it's a vibe. <laughs> mm-hmm. I kind of liked that they did that. Kind of like um, yeah. the, the in the book Jaws, because Jaws is a metaphor. It's a shark, too, but, like, it's a lot more of a metaphor in the book. Uh, there's a pretty scintillating uh, B-plot. Uh, where Chief Brody's wife Ellen and Matt Hooper have a pretty spicy affair, and it's like all from Ellen's perspective, and it's just like secondary to the shark plot that's happening. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's like if this was the main plot of Jaws, that's what Cujo is. Okay. Sort yeah. sort sort of, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can see that. And, I mean, I kind of – I liked it. I kind of found that it as an interesting take. I feel like Stephen King doesn't really write a lot about that very often. And when he does, mm-hmm. because he writes a lot of very real stuff, um, that he'd write it, you know, with a degree of realism. So it just – I don't know. Mm-hmm. It kind of – it's something you don't expect in a movie like this, but it kind of – it fits. I like it. It's a happy little surprise. Yeah, it's a happy little surprise. We're going to paint a little marital infidelity right there. Happy little clouds. Um, so oh <laughs> that aside, uh, the rest of this movie is all is is the dog. Um, yeah. So during the course of this marital infidelity story, um, Dad's cereal gets recalled. He's got to do damage control. He's got to fly out for business. Um, yeah, he's got to go on a business trip. Yeah, business trip. Always the big setup of sex. Um, but before he goes, I mean, mom's broken it off, but she's still not told him yet. He's getting a pretty good sense and more or less already knows. So on mm-hmm. it, literally as he's leaving, 
they all yeah. they more or less confirm it. And he's like, I can't really think about this right now. Can I please just go to work? And then he leaves. And mm-hmm. all mom has to do while he's gone is take the shit bad Pinto into the into the uh, the shop to the car shop. Yeah, which is just at a guy's farm. Mm-hmm. I would say the only reason the car shop is important is because the car shop owner is the family of Cujo. Yes. This is why this is just the happy little accidents turned up to a horrible degree. Yeah. So the in a very interesting series of circumstances, um Cujo's uh family, uh there's mom, dad, and uh they have a son. Um mom wins the lottery, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh and she offers to give dad some of the money to go hang out with his boys while she takes her son to go visit her sister. So they're out mm-hmm. of town and dad starts getting drunk with his buddy, being like, What are we gonna do with all the money? And uh that's when Cujo decides, to go to Vegas. Yeah, and that's when Cujo unfortunately decides he's gonna pop off and start killing people. Yeah, he starts by <laughs> killing off the drunk a neighbor friend who also has a weird name that I don't think was ever said in the movie, or at least I didn't remember it. I don't think um, so. Until I was reading it. His name is uh, Gary Pervier. Gary? Which is... Yeah. What's Gary Pervier? Gary? No, it's his last name that's weird to me. Oh, I'm like, what's wrong with Gary, Danny? It's a normal name. <laughs> It's no Tad, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so Gary, weird last name, gets mauled to death by Cujo. Mm-hmm. Uh, right In after his own say, home. Yeah, right after kind of claiming as he was playing poker with Cujo's owner that Cujo couldn't ever, like, he couldn't ever hurt anybody, essentially. Like, he could, no one could ever mm-hmm. sick Cujo on anybody. Because he would probably just go chase a butterfly or something. Because that's the type of dog yeah. Cujo was. <laughs> not but anymore. not anymore. Because he's killed a man, and he's not above killing his own owner at the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Like, just right when the mood strikes him, he just walks in there and is like, you're going to die, father. Yeah. <laughs> well, as he's about to call the cops on Cujo... Oh, man, you can call the cops on Cujo. <laughs> what are they going to do? Well, I don't think he's necessarily calling it on Cujo. He was more calling to be like, hey, my friend has been murdered. It couldn't have been my dog. And then he my finds out it was from his dog. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. When you got to turn in your dog. <clears throat> How often does that happen to you, Matt? I don't know. You're the one with the dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't had to do it yet. So as long as as long as my pup keeps up doing all right we won't have to do it anytime soon just keep just keep making sure that you don't leave her alone for a whole summer while she starts not with bats no that's not a good idea (laughs) anyway (laughs) (laughs) so um the dog onslaught continues with um d wallace i can't remember mom's name i'm looking it up right now but d wallace uh donna Donna, ugh, what a wife name. I don't even Donna know and means. Tad. Donna and Tad. They might as well be Mrs. Lincoln and Tad Lincoln. So they, they, they have to go to drop off the Pinto, but they, they would assume that um, the mechanic would be there and not be dead. So yeah, 
they're hoping that their car uh, makes it there because it's like on the brink of death. Like the car is a piece of shit, horrible car. And I know we yep. were talking about it like when we just all can relate to how bad this car is. And she's like driving it on the way there like, you can die when we get there. Just like, please get us to the mechanics route. Mm-hmm. And it does. It, it probably does make dies it to the mechanic right shop. There. Oh yeah. Um, so they try to find the owner, but instead they find Cujo, and Cujo essentially runs them back into their car, where Donna's like, "Fuck this, we're going home," and then the car just won't start. Just it, the car's yeah. final fuck you to the Trent family. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, you guys should have talked more. <laughs> but that initial like. When Kucho jumps on the car, it's scary, man. Because by that point, he's covered in his own, like, mucus, sweat, blood, human blood, blood. his own blood, pus from his wound. He's looking Mm -hmm. sick, man. He looks bad. He's not looking good. No. He is not looking good. He looks like a monster. And uh, Tad, the weak child that he unfortunately is, is afraid of monsters. Like, Mm -hmm. I would say any normal child is. Um, but Cujo, unfortunately, looks just like the monster in Tad's closet because he's got big mm-hmm. teeth and glowing eyes because he's sick with rabies. Yeah. So when he jumps on that car, it's actually kind of fucking scary. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. They, like, dog attacks are real dangerous because, like, dogs, when they want to kill something, they don't care. Like, they'll try to bite do it. and tear and... And they're just so big, and Cujo is so big and strong that he can just break glass relatively easily if he can get a good, like, forward momentum going. Yeah. Well, and Stephen King cites that this movie has, in any of his movies, the most effective scare based on any of his works, which is when Cujo jumps at the passenger window for the first time. Yeah, man. It's kind of like when the shark shows up in Jaws and they do the, you're going to need a bigger boat. But this time, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like, oh, fuck! Just, oh, he's strong. Oh, oh no. Oh, God. And because rabies takes away, like, normal cognitive processing ability, which is why, like, when things are rabid, they just go crazy. Like, Mm -hmm. dogs that are rabid and animals that are rabid, they tend, like, when you see an animal that's supposed to be, like, out at night, out during the day, they -hmm. always are like, it's probably rabid because of an animal that comes out at night wouldn't do that because it'd be scared. Like, rabies gets rid of an animal's, like, ability to fear. And once Mm -hmm. an animal stops fearing humans, you're in trouble. Um, So, like, the fact that it's big, strong, fast, pops out of nowhere, will kill you without a thought, and isn't afraid of you, it kind of very quickly cements Donna and, like, the how how fucked she is. The the rock and the Mm -hmm. hard place of being stuck in this car that doesn't start anymore, the only phone or shelter or water eventually is between mm-hmm. the thing between us and that is this dog that is waiting to kill us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do though have the bit where when the car does finally die because it has like a little bit of time right after it mm-hmm. does jump on them originally that the car turns back on and she just kind of looks at it. It's like, fuck you dog. 
And then, like you said, the car just kind of dies. Mm-hmm. So, they're stuck there now. They have to mm-hmm. shift into survival mode. Um, I don't know if we've done much. Well, I mean, aside from Crawl, most of our animal movies aren't a very survival mode type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, this one is full-on survival mode because they have to not only survive this animal, they now have to survive the elements. That is, the heat of summer in a like little desert area of a farm yeah, with no Maine. access to water. I didn't think Maine got that hot. I didn't either. Um, but I guess when when sun is just coming down on your metal car all day in and day out, yeah. it's going to get pretty hot. Dude, and one of the things that really hammers home how hot it is for me, weirdly enough, is how dirty that car gets. Oh, yeah. Like, Cujo, like, jumping on it, slobbering on it, putting, like, dirt and blood and and crap all over it. The car starts Mm -hmm. to look really gross looking, and the people inside are just really sweaty because they've been stuck in that car for upwards of, like, three days. And... Mm -hmm. It's it really puts you there, and I feel like that's part of the realism. Is like it gets gross very quickly mm-hmm. when you're just sitting there. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, danger with the nasty. dog. Seat. Oh, it's so nasty, so so quickly too. Like yeah, when that scene where she's got to pee and she just kind of creaks open the door, and it's probably like the first time she's peed in like a day because she doesn't know mm-hmm. what to do. And they're trying to conserve their water. And on day two of the dog siege, they learned that he really, really hates the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just any loud, yeah, any loud noises, but specifically the phone is what really sets him off and sends him back inside. Yeah, and because like loud noises provoke him into attacking that thing until he feels like he's killed it. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, okay, he doesn't like loud noises. You can beep the car horn. But that probably would mean that he'd just break into the car faster because he'd want to stop it. Yeah. So I guess I would be dead pretty quickly. Yeah, that yeah that would not be fun. But very quickly, the dog starts to look like a demon. Like, the blood, the mud, all that stuff he's tracking onto the car. Oh, yeah, he stops look looking like a, like a St. Bernard. Yeah, yeah. He is just, his face is blood and teeth. Yeah. Which, I mean, must be also very apt to the portrayal of how he talks about the dog in the book. Because mm-hmm. there's only yeah, so I... much you can do for making a dog scary with, before you just start describing it as, like, not a dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine what the dog is talked about, like, in the book. Yeah, or what they say it smells like. <laughs> Ugh. No, that, oh, that's got to be even worse, man. Because you're sitting that's, there like that's when, worse when the dog's like sticking its head into the window. You're probably like, oh god, like <laughs> I'm gonna throw up. Ugh. Ugh, god, yeah. This is kind of like like the bathroom from Saw when it's like when you describe it, like looking at it to people who haven't seen it, they almost mm-hmm. are like, oh, I don't want to watch it now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any moments uh, from the car, se- the dog siege, as we'll call it, that stick out to you? 
that you one of your watches um, that you really stuck out is good. I mean, uh, not really until the uh, sheriff comes into ta- into play, because yeah, that's when things like really escalate for me. Um, okay. So Vic, so let me build a little bit into this. Uh, so Vic's off on business, but he's like, "Fuck, man, I'm just thinking about my wife." Um, and so he goes up to his partner and he's like, Hey, I gotta go. I gotta go home. My wife had an affair and I gotta deal with this. And his yeah, buddy's was... like, Bro, why didn't you tell me? Go do that thing. It was so Go a great talk thing. to your wife. <laughs> he like showed up at his his coworkers like uh uh like other hotel room and it's just like, Hey man, I can't do it, I gotta go and he's like, Hey man, I know exactly what you mean. You can still be a salesman. You're still good. And he's like, dude, my wife's having an affair. Go fuck yourself. I'm leaving. <laughs> um, so he comes back and he sees that their house has been like torn apart. Because while um, Donna and Tad have been fighting for their life in a dead car, uh, Steve came around the house with a knife and just wrecked a bunch of bullshit. And so... Uh, Vic comes back and is convinced his wife and child had been murdered and kidnapped. Which is not a great way to come back when you're trying to talk about the affair your wife was having. Especially when the person she was having the affair with is the person you most suspect would do it. Yeah, he's like, hmm, I wonder who it is. It's probably this guy. (laughs) And then the fact that because they can't, because they're stuck in the car... He's like, okay, he probably killed them. Also, I'm a huge failure as a husband because I let this monster into our house and, like, let it yeah. in my wife and child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, the police find out that they were, that he had never found, he was, words, when Steve came by, he didn't see Donna or Tad, and so he decided to wreck bullshit on the house instead as retaliation. And then yeah. they're like, is there, the police are like, is there anywhere else they could be? And he's like, well, they were supposed to drop this car off, but like, that shouldn't take them three days. And the sheriff's like, I'll go check it out. And so the sheriff shows up to the house and sees that they are still in the car. Um, but more importantly, he sees a, 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 a dog? A, a demon? A dog demon. A, a big Across bear. the way. <laughs> the bear from the Revenant. <laughs> a giant killer bear dog. Yeah. Just ready to absolutely attack him. And he can't even manage to shoot the thing because he can't get his gun out fast enough before it starts biting on him. <laughs> and so we have Chekhov's gun in the corner of the garage. That we can use later. Um, while Cujo essentially tears the man from his heightened ledge to kill him. Because he's trying just to stay out of Cujo's reach and it did not work. No, again, the dog, the St. Bernard's get big and Cujo is particularly big. So on his on his hind legs, he's like over seven feet tall, probably. I mean, he's like six to seven feet tall on his hind legs, and the guy is barely yeah. holding on to like a beam in the barn. Mm-hmm. You know, Cujo's gonna bite him pretty quickly, and if the guy gets out of it, he's gonna have rabies. But um, the guy gets kind of torn apart. Oh yeah. But it gives Donna enough time to go. Uh, I think to get the baseball bat, right? That um, it does. The yard. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, she finds the baseball bat on her... Because she gets the bat on her way to the gun. Right. Because she's like, if I get the gun, every, it's game over. I win. But she, but Cujo figures it out before she can get to the gun. So she just starts beating him with a baseball bat. It's pretty gnarly, too, because, like, some of these, like, when animals get like this, sometimes it takes more than one, like, shot to kill them. And a mm-hmm. bat, it's like, she hasn't had a lot of water in days. She hasn't eaten in days. Uh, yeah. So her strength is not going to be as it is. And this is a very powerful animal. Um, mm-hmm. and well, but and she still manages to break the bat, so she's got to be using some force behind it. Yeah, I also think that it's just that that bat probably was super old, and breaking was like a service because now she can use it as like a stabbing weapon, um, mm-hmm. and she can use she can do the three hundred technique and use Cujo's weight against him. So when he jumps onto her for that big, again in real life, big bear hug because Saint Bernards are nice. Uh, when he yes. jumps under her to bite her throat, uh, she stabs him. And mm-hmm. uh, she, then she does get the gun. And I'm like, dude, you should have double tapped him, man. You were thinking she about thinks it. About it. She, she thinks about it. She thinks about it, but she's like, him. but she's like, ah, my son is like basically dead. I need to go help him instead. And she has a point because her son has been getting, I think, seizures from just being mm-hmm. dehydrated. Or he's at least been getting... Um, periods of like respiratory failure because he doesn't have enough water and well, yeah, so at I this point understand. he stops he stops like looking like he's alive he is essentially dead when he yeah. he brings him into the house they which i found out dehydrated. Uh, in the original book tad does die of dehydration oh, God. at this point he does not make it and stephen king when he was talking about the books he um, that have been adapted. He was like, that was the one thing I always wanted to change was letting Tad live instead. And Every so time, when he man. helped write it, he helped write the film adaptation of this, but he refused the credit for it. Um, so that he could keep Tad alive at the end. I think cause it's that moment, uh, when she's using, uh, the gun to like pistol whip the back, w- uh, window, She's mm-hmm. very desperately banging at the window, and I think that might be where Stephen King gave it to to D. Wallace over Kathy Bates, mm-hmm. is because in the yeah now that you mention it in the book, he, if he dies, that's the scene in the movie where he turned it, where it mm-hmm. would have been she would have been banging on that window, um, probably for minutes on end, wasting precious time in her mind only to mm-hmm. watch her son die in front of her while she could do nothing. Yeah. Um, which was, the, it's her whole drive as, as a character in this one is her son is very quickly d- dying. His situation is decaying very rapidly. And mm-hmm. if she doesn't do anything, this dog is going to stand between her and her saving her son, and he's going to die, mm-hmm. and she will have done nothing. Which, yeah. In a way, Danny, I hate, trust me, I hate to bring it back to this, but in a way, this is Donna's saw trap. I can I can see that. I really can. So I can't be too mad that you're bringing it back. <laughs> I mean, I'm um, not even doing it on purpose. Just the, the way that she approaches it is she's, she's screwing around, and she's fucking up her marriage. She's messing up her family, and... Mm-hmm. 
she she is doing that. Yeah, dad isn't communicating with her, but she's doing that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she doesn't value her family. And she even asks herself, like, why am I doing this? Like, I have a good mm-hmm. life. Why am I throwing it away? And she has to put herself, the interests of, her, of herself or, or the family before herself and put herself at stake to, you mm-hmm. know, possibly get eaten by a dog uh, and face that mistake to save her son, to, to prove that she does love her family enough to protect it. Because Tad mm-hmm. goes to dad to get the monsters out. He doesn't go to mom. He doesn't view mom yeah. as capable. So she has to prove in a way that she's willing to fight for him, that she's willing to fight mm-hmm. for the family at all. Yeah. And I think Stephen King made a good call in not condemning her to that failure again. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and the other difference between the movie and the book is in the book, um, after Donna fights with Cujo, she contracts rabies. Yeah. Um, which doesn't happen in this movie because the movie doesn't dwell on long enough for us to find yeah. out if she does. The movie ends very, like you know, ending of full house where they're all just, the family is all hugging on the porch and then it's a freeze frame and then credits. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Cause Vic shows up seeing his wife with their child in her arms. They both look like death. Yeah. And he's just like, Oh my God. They look like and they, they just freeze escaped. frame on like a smile. <laughs> yeah. Like, like they have just gone through the worst 48 hours of their life. And now yeah. they're just going to end all happy. They look like they just escaped, like, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that is Cujo. That is at least the film adaptation of Cujo. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, uh, it was the fourth highest grossing movie of 1983. Um, it was right behind... Yeah, Ironically enough, um, the three movies that beat it in the box office were Jaws 3D, Psycho 2, and the Twilight Zone movie. Cursed Films, man. Remember that one? Yeah. That's a very interesting collection because they're also all horror movies. Yeah, well, because this was all about the highest grossing horror movies Uh, of the year. Okay. Well, and they're um, all movies that we'll, uh, ha- we've talked peripherally about. Yeah. Uh, the movie got mixed critical responses. Some people really liked it. Some people really hated it. Roger Ebert really hated it. What the fuck doesn't he really hate? Man, I'm sick of Roger <laughs> Ebert. Hating on horror movies for no other reason than he's just a <laughs> stick in the mud. I know um, he's dead, but still. The film critic for the Chicago Tribune uh, gave it one star, calling it one of the dumbest, flimsiest excuses for a movie I have ever seen, which is wrong. I'm sorry. Why are we bringing this onto our podcast? Our podcast is positive. (laughs) I'm here. I'm bringing it up to point out that you can't always listen to movie reviewers. They will get it wrong. You can enjoy a movie despite reviewers saying it's bad. Because even if someone thinks it's bad, (laughs) you can still think it's great. And you know what? Fuck these two. They're wrong. These are good. This is a good movie. Uh, Sure, I suppose. But, like, 
Also us. Like, just because we say something's bad doesn't mean it's bad either. Exactly. Yes. We are surely not infallible. Um, and because it wouldn't be a Stephen King movie without me being able to talk about the talks about a reboot. But happily, these talks are short this time around. Um, in 2015, it was announced that they would develop another adaptation of Cujo, which was an acronym that stood for Canine Unit Joint Operations, which I oh. don't know how that would work. And nothing okay. has happened since 2015 about it. I'm well, just really the... glad that no one is actually remaking this movie. Agreed. I don't think it would work very well again. The closest Certainly that not I without it... a D. Wallace. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, I feel like she'd be down for that because we're this we're at the point of requels. That's true. Like what were we just talking the other day about um something that could have theoretically get in a requel? Yeah, like Anaconda. Like Jennifer Lopez and Ice yeah. Cube probably be down for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was I gonna say? The um yeah, the closest that it came, I, the, in most Stephen King things, uh, was it got um, an Easter egg hint on uh, Castle Rock, the TV show. Um, that's basically like a big mm-hmm. bunch of Hulu. Uh, it's a big, it's a show on Hulu, but it's got a bunch of Stephen King uh, characters and books and stuff all kind of intermingled with each other, very like Channel Zero-y. Uh, I watched like the mm-hmm. first season of it, and they peripherally reference uh, Cujo, just in like a newspaper uh. article. Like, they kind of okay. don't touch on the big, like, at least for the first season. It was kind of like Gotham, where, like, they didn't mm-hmm. really touch on a lot of the big Stephen King things in the first season. It was all, like, very peripherally distant, like, the dead zone or, mm-hmm. like, thinner, kind of. Like, it was a lot of very, like, separate stuff. And then the second season, they just straight up had um, Annie Wilkes. <laughs> oh. oh, wow, yeah. And they made a Jack Torrance, but it was, like, Jackie Torrance, and they were, like, hanging out. I'm like, wait, this is, like, Gotham now, where we're just doing weird shit. We're just switching things up. We're just doing whatever the hell we want and being, like, let's just use the characters we've got and do whatever we want with them. Which, Mm -hmm. by that logic, sounds kind of cool, because Stephen King's got a lot of characters. That's true. Um, And we're going to be covering more of them in two weeks, because next week uh, we're covering the birds. Yeah, we're covering a real true classic horror, like, icon. Yeah, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, a movie that is somewhat scary to normal people and terrifying to people that, like, to that people like Jamie. Jamie. Like, people that, yeah, literally just <laughs> Jamie. I can't, like, I have a cousin who's afraid of birds, and I was like, but are you, like, afraid of the movie The Birds? And she's like, well, no, because those birds are clearly, <laughs> like... Not evil. They're just birds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got some fun things to talk about with the birds next week. I have a whole article I'm reading ahead of time. We are. Oh, this is going to be one of our biggest, or at least my biggest, researched episodes in oh, a long time. Oh, shit. Okay, so uh, I either can step up a bunch or I could sit back and just let you do it. <laughs> Which would you prefer? <laughs> I mean, I'm honestly good to... Take, to just jump on, take the reins next week. I'm excited Dude, for this. Hell yeah. Send me the outline. I only hell send yeah. the outline because I'm like, here are my thoughts. I don't know what you've got, but this is what I've got. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm really yeah. excited for it. You better send a fun little, uh, like the the Google Doc better be titled something funny and and punny. Oh, absolutely. I would I wouldn't dream of it any other way. Yeah, because I mean, right now, I mean, I think laughing and cajoling is pretty funny. That is a pretty good one. <laughs> if I do say so myself. Uh, okay, follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Spooktober is going pretty well. Um, a lot of stuff is coming out. A lot of horror movies have come out in the last couple of, in just the last month. A lot are going to be coming yeah. out in the next month or so. A lot of stuff is dropping on streaming. Uh, Spooktober's back, dude. There's a fucking lot of stuff coming it out. It is now. in full swing this year. We've got yeah, icons coming from Hellraiser to Halloween Dude. to Art the Clown being back in Terrifier. There is a lot for horror fans out right now. So much stuff over the next month or so. And I'm very excited for uh, whenever we get the chance to touch base on them, to have bonus episodes on as much as we can. Uh, yes. I know I'm going to really want to just piss about how awesome Hellraiser looks. It looks so yeah. good. The trailer looks amazing. Um, I know I just saw Barbarian the other day, which was great. Um, I'm gonna see oh, I gotta see that this week, bro. We gotta talk about Barbarian sometime. Barbarian and Pearl are the two that are on my docket that I have to get in soon. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple more coming up the next couple weeks. We got Smile coming out this week, which looks surprisingly better than I expected. I don't know. I think I'm still gonna skip it. <laughs> At least that's for now. fair. <laughs> Yeah, I still got Pearl to watch. Um, I know that uh, over the next couple weeks, um, Chucky is going to start again. Um, yeah, October 5th. Hulu's, Hulu's Hellraiser is coming out. Midnight Society and Werewolf by Night all come out on the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what and else. And then that all leads up to Halloween Ends on October yeah. 14th, dropping in both theaters and on Peacock this year. This year. Yeah, man, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, and in just, I think today or tomorrow, um, Rob Zombie's The Monsters comes out. Yeah, I think that's tomorrow. Oh fuck yeah, man! I'm so excited for that. <laughs> I I'm hoping for good things. All right, so so much more to come on Spooktember slash Spooktober. We've got some very exciting episodes for Spooktober outside of the bonus episodes once we finish the Animal series. And yes. until then, um, get your fucking rabies shots and don't cheat. Damn it. <laughs> and stay spooky out there. <laughs> Take your dog for a walk, too. Let him know that he's loved.